Hello, beautiful friends. I'm thrilled that we found each other again. So I have a great show for you today. Two of my favorite real life judges will be here. We have Lauren Lake from the Emmy winning court series, Paternity Court. We actually have a pretty cool connection. We work together on the Ricky Lake Show. I have another judge that I want to introduce you to. Judge William L. Dawson is a yoga teacher, author, motivational speaker, and the administrative and presiding judge of the East Cleveland Municipal Court. He's also my real life cousin from Cleveland, and I couldn't be more proud of the work he's doing in the community in East Cleveland. Welcome to the show, Judge William Dawson. Judge, I'm gonna call you Judge Cousin. Yeah, we can go with that. <laughs> well, listen, you are just doing some amazing things. I get so much enjoyment out of watching you on your Instagram every day. I mean, it's just it's just so thrilling. Um, yeah, you're having a good time out there, aren't you? Absolutely, absolutely. So, in order to reach, educate, and inspire the community, Judge Dawson, you authored the Legal Matrix: How the System is Controlling Your Life and its companion workbook. Tell us a bit about that book and how it's helping to change lives. Excellent. All right. So the legal matrix came out of the fact that I've represented so many people who would stand next to me as an attorney when I was before I was a judge, and they would have no clue of the possible penalties they were facing. So say, for instance, you were involved with the drug trade. You decided to go into that business, I guess, if that's mm-hmm. what you want to call it. Um, and, and then you face a, a sentence of 20 years to life. And they would stand next to me and say, Attorney Dawson, how did I end up with 20 years to life? And I'm thinking, well, if you knew the statute of the law uh, that you were breaking at the time, you'd at least know what the risks were. So I decided to write the book that really kind of outlined how this legal system is stacked. And more importantly, if you're going to go ahead and, and go against the law, at least you'll know what the possible penalties are and how the system thinks. That's so, that so interesting. I've never heard of someone getting out there in front of these crimes and, and really working on behalf of the people in these communities to say, hey, I just want to let you know what you might be facing here. Why do you right. think we haven't heard more about this kind of legal matrix from people in a position of authority? You know, Paul, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, once you make it from an attorney to a judge, it's almost like you've made it, quote unquote. You know, so I think a lot of people kind of forget where they come from. You forget the background. You forget the struggle. For me, you know how Cleveland is. East Cleveland um, happens to be a suburb of, of Cleveland, but as you and I both know, it's not really a suburb. It's more of a, let's keep it real, kind of a ghetto. Um, and that's where I grew up, and I'm proud of the city. But yet I also understand what it takes to make it out and how you can easily fall in the cracks and make a mistake. So I think because of where I've come from and then all my years of being a defense attorney, it's kind of given me the, the responsibility to get in front of these issues and give as much education as well as inspiration as possible. That's really interesting. So speaking of making it out, it's really interesting that you are a very successful judge. Your brother Wayne is a longtime fixture in Cleveland on Fox 8 News there in Cleveland. What was it about the way you all were raised or what what do you think happened in your lives that kind of set you all out on a path of success? You know, Paul, I would say it's, you know, you and I both can attest to having strong mothers and strong women in our family. And I think that's really what it was. My mom was a no-nonsense mom and she made sure that, you know, education was important in my household, that discipline was important as well as respect and authority. So that was my background and then you and I both grew up 
kind of watching Wayne do his thing on TV. <laughs> and that just became the inspiration to make sure that I would at least keep that, you know, that cycle of success since Wayne has started it. So that's kind of what kind of kept me on the right track. That's fantastic. So you have another book that came out, your second book. You've actually had, I think, three, right? Yes. So your yes. second book, 99 Problems, How Your Failures, Flops, and Flaws Can Lead to Your Greatness, aims to further inspire the, the next generation to overcome their obstacles. And you then also, as we just said, have a new book, The Cycle Breaker. So tell me about 99 Problems and The Cycle Breaker. Okay, so, Paul, here comes the, the tears. Come on. <laughs> 99 Problems. I wrote that, you know, look, here you go. You asked me why do I feel the need to give back. I've been through ups and downs. And, you know, the, your show and you and everything you do is about keeping it real. You know, there was a moment where I was actually suspended as an attorney for a clerical mistake. You know, nothing crazy, no, no theft, no dishonesty. But I made a clerical mistake, and the, the Supreme Court in Ohio decided to su suspend me as an attorney. This was right when my daughter was born, my wife was in school, so I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to take care of my family while I go through this, this suspension? And then once I got out of the suspension, I told people, hey, you know what, I'm not going to just become a, a lawyer again, I'm going to double down, I'm going to run for judge. And everybody told me I could not win. They basically said that suspension wow. is going to be a black mark against you, there's no way you can do it. So I wrote 99 Problems while I was running for judge to motivate myself every day. You know, the fact that, hey, I've had failures, flops, and flaws, but they will not define me and that I can, you know, overcome and get back on the right track. So that's why I wrote that book. And then The Cycle Breaker, uh, that's my movement here at the court, all about trying to help break negative cycles. So I wrote The Cycle Breaker with the tone of, you know, reaching young people or even adults who don't necessarily want the, the legal, legalized version like the legal matrix. So The Cycle Breaker talks about five men who broke the law, and they end up in this camp where there's a judge, a yogi judge, <laughs> to be exact, who kind of puts them through this way of empowering their lives and changing their mindset. So that even though they're going to go through some consequences, maybe it's jail, maybe it's probation, maybe not, but they will come out from the cycle breaker camp a different person. So that's the key with that book. That is awesome. So, you know, we watch these judge shows on TV, and later in the show we have Judge Lauren Lake from Paternity Court. We watch these shows and you hear the judge sometimes say, I've heard that a thousand times. I, or I, you don't understand. I hear this all the time. And people come into the courtroom and they think they have an original story. What are some things, just, just some, some simple things that, that everyday people, I know it comes down to the choices that you make that's, that get you into these sticky situations, let's just say. But what are some just some obvious things that people just should not be doing? That, they, that you see all the time that ends them up in your courtroom standing in front of you? Okay, Paul, so many, but I'll just give you a few. First of all, if you're driving and you're pulled over by an officer, the first thing I would say, because, you know, we're in a different age, and, you know, you and I, we've been through similar experiences, but, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, we have respect for authority. I understand that today we're all about our First Amendment rights and we want to let the officers know, but don't argue with the officer on the street. You cannot win that battle. They've pulled you over. They're going to give you a ticket or not. At best, you can kind of, you know, um, smile your way out of a ticket, but you can never argue your way out of a ticket. Okay. What you do is argue into more charges. So first of all, just, just deal with the officer. If you, if you have a problem with them, look at his badge, get the badge number, get his name, and you go and make a report as soon as you leave there. But don't argue with the officer. Um, second, when you come to court, come presentable. So when you come to my court, look, they don't come. They, they haven't read your book, Paul. Obviously. 
<laughs> because they don't know how to dress the court. Okay. But when you come to my court, Paul, I give discounts for people who dress up because so few dress up. You put you on know, a tie, Paul, and that goes a long way. Exactly. Put yeah. on a tie, pull up your pants, so look presentable, and then speak as well as you can with as much patience as you can. Don't, don't, get, don't get frustrated with the judge because I'm not the one that gave you the, the ticket or the charge. So those three tips, you know, don't argue with an officer. Be presentable when you come to court and express yourself in a patient and respectful way in front of the court. That's I mean, important. that's those are great tips. Obviously, a judge can't get up on this show saying lie to an officer. But I do want to ask <laughs> you. I want to ask you a question about this, though. Okay. So you get pulled over by the police. You know, you've you've you know been out at a little summer barbecue and you've had two glasses of wine. Um, and they say, have you been drinking? Now, you might think. Or you may even know that you're not impaired. You know, you might have had, like I said, two glasses of wine, and that could be within the legal limit. Mm-hmm. Should you then be honest with with the officer uh, to a fault, or do you, or is your whole thing to just to try to get out of it any way you can? Oh. All right, I'm going to give you this answer as my cousin. <laughs> this is what I would do, honestly. Yeah. If you were pulled over and you and you know that you only had a couple of drinks and you're hoping that you're not intoxicated, because sometimes we know we are. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, I only had a couple. I shouldn't be intoxicated. Honestly, I wouldn't tell the officer I had anything to drink. Mm-hmm. Because the minute you do, most officers will then take you through the field sobriety test or ask you to blow. Mm-hmm. But if you tell them, hey, I didn't have anything to drink, I'm a little tired, and if you look okay, you may get away with that, Paul, you know, to be honest with you. But the minute you say, I only had one, that's all it takes. And most officers are then going to make you take the test, which could lead to OBIs. And, you know, those things are so expensive financially, as well as the possible jail time and all that stuff. So I would say gently lie. Not not too heavy, but a gentle lie. <laughs> well, you know, I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I understand. <laughs> right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the Dawson Leadership Institute that you created to develop and train the next generation of leaders. And you're also, of course, the founder of the Annie L. Dawson Foundation for Justice, Education, and Achievement, named for your mother. Uh, tell me a little bit about those organizations. So, you know, they really kind of meet the um, Dawson Foundation. What we do here in Cleveland, we've given out over $30,000 in scholarships to local students who are looking to go to college. Uh, we also provide coats for kids every winter. And what makes ours unique is that we actually contact the local schools in the underprivileged areas, and we ask them to identify the students specifically who need coats. So we get their sizes, we get the gender, and we go out and buy coats for those families who we know are in need. And then we partner, you know, the Dawson Leadership um, kind of piggybacks with the Dawson Foundation in our Cycle Breaker Conference. This year in October will be our fifth one. We're doing it at the uh, local college here, and we invite students and young adults from all over Northeastern Ohio to come in and have a half day of motivational um, talks from people who've bounced back from failure. And then, of course, we feed them lunch, and then we conclude with some material forms. So, you know, we're doing the absolute best we can to change the narrative. And I'll tell you, Paul, um, and I know we could probably talk about it another time, mm-hmm. that documentary that came out, How They See Us on Netflix. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. It has really reunited my, my purpose as a judge, you know, because I want to show a fair side of the legal system. So through the Cycle Breaker Conference, through our foundation, I'm trying to show a different side of what the legal system can present to the community. You know, maybe a few of us will partner up there and do a screening in Cleveland for the people that don't have Netflix. 
nice. you know, we should put something like that together, together there. Um, you document a lot of the court cases that come into your courtroom uh, from a very positive perspective. I've really been drawn to your you becoming this yogi judge. Why do you think that it seems like you feel that yoga is a form of healing for the community? And, and how did that come about with you, yoga and the people that are in your courtroom? So it's, it's funny because it came about just simply from my competitive nature. I saw, <laughs> I think on YouTube or something, some guys doing handstands. And I said, I'm going to learn how to do a handstand. So that was the first, you know, my first entry into the yoga whole lifestyle. But then I went to a class and I was really attracted to the breathing and, and how you, you set your intention and you kind of just move your whole spirit into a different state while you're in that class. And I said, wow, this is something really powerful. So that was my journey. I decided to become a yoga teacher. And since then, you know, I even have my probationers come to my class. If you're on probation and if you, you know, are a certain type of probationer, I may order you to a certain number of yoga classes because I know that it can at least get them to start thinking outside the box as far as what they can do with their mind their body and their spirit. Yeah, I saw some breathing exercises. Do you actually meditate in the courtroom and how do the people receive it in the courtroom? So it's, it's funny. Every Thursday morning, um, I start my docket with three deep breaths. And, that, you know, I use that as my meditation through the breath. And it's, it's well received. But every now and then I'll, I'll <laughs> see those folks who are looking at me like I'm crazy. So what I do as soon as I finish, Paul, I tell them the reason that I had you do this and I give them all the reasons. Not only is it you know, good for you mentally. But I tell them, you know, from a physical standpoint, while we're going through our busy days, and even you, as busy as you are, we're breathing really shallow breaths all day. And it's very important for us to take the time to take those deep breaths in, feel your body, feel your lungs with that oxygen, and let it all out. So I, it's really beneficial to you and me and those in my courtroom. I absolutely love it. I do want to touch on one other thing that I thought was interesting. I was visiting Cleveland one time not that long ago, and... <laughs> I think we were out somewhere and someone that you had actually put into jail came up to you just kind of being out and about like you don't you're not one of those judges that runs and hides in the in the ritzy suburb you know you're right. out there with your people but what is that experience like and just give me give me some insight on that paul i pride myself on being a judge that gives you respect because like you know we're all human beings and despite the fact that we've made mistakes or whatever our choices are, we deserve respect as humans. So when I ran for judge, that was things I ran on because I've ran across, like you said in the very beginning, so many judges have forgotten where they've come from, that they treat you, you know, really bad when you stand in front of them. So I said, if I ever become a judge, I'm going to be one of compassion and respect. So one thing I will say, Paul, everyone that I've come across, I mean, it doesn't always go peaky. You've seen some of the videos. But after they have a chance to think about it, maybe they're in jail, maybe they get out of jail. They're like, you know what, Judge Dawson was fair. He was compassionate. He let me speak. And I've never had a bad interaction. I run into so many people in the community and beyond who say, Judge, hey, I just got out of jail on your sentence. Thanks for sending me. And I'm like, wow, you know, that feels kind of weird, but I can understand because hopefully they've gotten something from it. But most importantly, they understood where I was coming from. I love it. I absolutely love it. Check out Judge Dawson's books, The Legal Matrix, 99 Problems, and The Cycle Breaker. Your website is IamACycleBreaker.com. And of course, you can follow him along and get your namaste on at Judge Dawson on Instagram. Judge Cousin, 
You're my homeboy. Right. Thank you so much. Keep inspiring the people and doing your thing, my brother. Thanks, Paul, for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Love that guy. Love, love that guy. You know, we grew up together there in Cleveland, and I've just loved to see where he's come to in his life. He's a great father, a great judge, and a great member of the community in Cleveland, which is my home. So moving on to my next guest, Lauren Lake serves as judge on the nationally syndicated half-hour daily courtroom show, Lauren Lake's Paternity Court. She's sharp-witted and opinionated. Lauren Lake helps litigants resolve legal issues involving paternity using DNA results. You know, Lauren Lake asks herself one question every day. Why be ordinary when you can be extraordinary? And I think she's going to be here today right now to tell us just how we can be extraordinary. So welcome to the show, my friend, Lauren Lake. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. Did you get to hear a little bit from uh, Judge Dawson there before you? I did. How fascinating. Yeah, I want you to check him out online. He is definitely the yogi judge. He's at Judge Dawson on Instagram. He's my cousin from Cleveland. And he is. No uh, way. Yeah. Yeah. He's my cousin. We grew up together. And he is the presiding judge of the East Cleveland Municipal Court, making some major change I there. Into it. Aren't because you into I'm going to tell you, I used, years ago, I could not stand to do yoga. I thought it was too slow. Honey. <laughs> Once you go through some things in life, if you're looking for some peace, <laughs> I go daily. I probably touch yoga five times a week. I love it now. Oh, that is, you have to almost do yoga. I mean, you are in your seventh season of paternity court. Yes. That's a major accomplishment. It really is. I, I cannot be more proud of the show and what we've been able to do. We are currently taping uh, season seven. And we've helped uh, over 800 families resolve legal issues relating to paternity. And we've helped empower moms and dads and women and men um, to just move forward in a healthy way with the truth. Yes, you have. And you do that every day. And you often talk about living a limitless life. So what does that really mean to you when you say a limitless life? First of all, it's, it's understanding that this ain't no dress rehearsal. We yes. are in a full-fledged life right now, like <laughs> you live. I've yeah. been called Limitless Live because I have to teach people that we're live right now. Singular. Why are you planning for your show? Your show is running. <laughs> and so we have to take this, 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 this approach in life that we have limitless possibilities, and it's our responsibility to seek them out and to grow in them. And I like to say to people, and I talk about this uh, on paternity court often, the obstacles, the mistakes, the failures, the traumas, the tragedies, none of that affect the limitless possibilities for your life. You still have them. And it doesn't matter what the mistake is, what you've done, there's still limitless possibilities for your life, and it's about stepping outside your comfort zone, understanding and accessing that all things are possible. If you believe and if you're willing to do the work, and more importantly, if you're able to develop the mindset that tells yourself, I can and I will. I love that. I absolutely love that. So you have a book, and in that book, girl, let me tell you, you empower yes. single women, I just love it, to never settle for anything less than what they deserve in life and in love. Why do you think so many young women with great potential settle for less than they deserve? 
Well, look, I think it goes back to self-worth. It goes back to understanding who you are. And I do feel like, and I talk about in that book often, you know, as young women, and I've been guilty of it as well, um, you know, we find a man, we find a partner we like, and honey, we know everything about them. We know how they sleep. We know how they like their sandwich. (laughs) We know how they like to wear their clothes. We know everything about them, but we know more about them than we really know about ourselves. Yes. And so when we get in the car to do that drive-by to figure out are they in the house with somebody else, we really are not evaluating who we are and why we feel the need to do that, why we feel like we're not worth enough to know that if someone, if they're going to be with somebody else, then they're not worth my time. Instead, we're out on the investigation mission trying to figure out what they're doing when we don't know what we're doing. And I think it's a conversation we don't have often enough because it becomes easy. We're sold the Cinderella story from childhood that you got to wait for your prince and you got to wait for this and you got to wait for that. There was this, such this viral clip. I don't know if you saw it of a little girl talking about the last. Of course movie. I did. I love it. I don't it. know who this little Did you see there that? There ain't no room it's on the carpet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she can see the world on her own. Yeah. And I think we need more of that understanding as women and knowing that, look, at the end of the day, you can grant your own wishes. You can be your own genie in the bottle. You can the world and that gives us greater perspective when we approach relationships because now we're not looking for somebody to complete us or save us because we know we complete and we can save ourselves wow so the women that stand before you in your courtroom trying to determine the paternity um you know of their childs do you think that they're searching more for love or do they just want to have a kid it just concerns me sometimes i guess as someone that's that's always taken like safe sex really seriously because just in my community, I just noticed if I didn't, you know, that was, could be a life or death situation. Yes. So it concerns me as I watch these shows that more people aren't thinking about their own uh, safety from a health perspective. Uh, where do you stand on that? Uh, well, I, I agree with you completely. We are not thinking enough about our safety and our health And I think it's because, again, going back to the self-worth, there's usually some trauma. And the irony of life is many of the young women who stand before me in my courtroom who don't know the father of their child, who the father of their child is, often they don't know their own father. And through relationships and sex, they are seeking the love, commitment, um, value that you would get from having a father. And they look for that love and that stability in the wrong relationships and end up giving their body, you know, they yeah. give their body as a pawn to think that, well, if I give all of me, I'll get what I need back. And it never happens that way. And, you know, because I always say, you know, what little girl do you know that wakes up and got her Barbie dolls when she's five years old and sitting on a porch with her little friends in the neighborhood and goes, and when I grow up, you know what I want to do? I want to have sex with five different men in one month, and I want to not know who my child's father is. That ain't nobody's dream. Said nobody that ever. That ain't nobody's mm-hmm. dream. Mm-hmm. So, so when they arrive in my courtroom, I do. You know, a lot of people will say to me, like, how can you listen to those people? And I go, who are those people? Those people are our people. They're just people who made the left turn instead of the right one. And we have to figure out how to empower them to move on in a healthier way. So you are spot on. At that moment, they aren't thinking about it. Yeah. They're thinking about how is it, 
I can get the love and that missing Absolutely. puzzle piece that I feel like I never had. Absolutely. So you co-founded the Women in Entertainment Empowerment Network called WEEN, which promotes the positive portrayal of women in entertainment and society through nationwide mentoring and outreach programs for young women. I want to know more about that. I know you have an academy that starts in New York City this summer. Yes, we are hosting, I think, our seventh year of the WEEN Academy. WEEN has been around for 11 years. We have a free academy. Young women line up every March. 300, 400 deep around the corner in Harlem to audition for an opportunity to be in the academy. We only choose 25 girls. And it's basically a boot camp, crash course style lesson in entertainment and what it means to be in the business of entertainment. And I say business because many yes. of our young girls come in and they just want to be in front of the camera like you and I are, Paul. And what I have to often say to them is, oh, there's a big business behind that camera. Absolutely. And you need to know what that business is if you want longevity. You know? And so we begin to talk to them about the various facets, production, PR, every marketing, all of the different facets, fundraising, even philanthropy. And they go through this for four weeks. And at the end of July, they graduate. And our girls go on to get some incredible jobs uh, in entertainment. And we're just so proud of them. So this is one of the projects. I'm most proud of in my life because it helps empower young women. Look, I always say, I don't want to see young girls in my courtroom. So, you know, even though I love what I do on fraternity court, it is my true desire to not see you in there. So WEEN is the way that I prepare young women for their path and for their dreams so they don't end up looking for that love and that value in other places. They find it in themselves. I absolutely and right on spot with that. I tell you, in this business, the smartest thing I could have ever done for myself is learn how every facet of this business is run. Um, the phone will stop ringing. This is what I tell a lot yep. of the people that I work with, with DC Child and Family Services the, in the Foster Youth Division. The phone will stop ringing. And when it does, what do you do? What do you do then? Um, for me, I'll tell you, uh, I had a job offer, I think this was like 2009, from a, a network to do a weekend talk show. And the numbers just weren't working out, but I knew I knew how to produce the show. And so in the end, when they said, you know what, Paul, we're not going to be able to make it work, I said, no problem. I packaged up what I had. I went to General Motors. I found out who was running their multicultural diversity marketing, and I pitched to them. I got the money from them. I went right back to the network and said, okay, I'll own the show and we can be yep. in partnership. And, you know, there is a way around that. But if I didn't know how the entertainment industry really worked, I could not have done that. So I love what the Wing Academy is doing. And, 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 and we need that. Our young women need that. And they deserve it. And it's not the information they usually receive. <laughs> so yeah. we teach them how to dig for that and how to know that there is more. I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, what is this I'm hearing about this? Somebody's turning 50. I mean, I think it's a typo. I'm, somebody's getting fired over <laughs> <No>. here. <laughs> you know, we go a long way back, Paul, back to the, to the original Ricky Lake Oh, days, my honey. God. We are going to talk about that for sure. That was a surprise yes. for the people. But yes. you're doing something 50 days to 50 challenge right now. Now, what I is am. this all about? Why are you trying to convince these people that you're about to turn 50? 50 challenge. <laughs> I'm in the middle of my 50 days to 50 challenge. 
You look like you're 25. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Really. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> no, I swear. It's a lot of yoga. Thank God. Yes. And I challenged myself in the 50 days before I turned 50 to do some very deep soul searching about what I want the next decade of my life to be and what things I've learned in this previous decade and things that I know I need to change about myself. So this week I've been working on discipline and discernment. And I talked about how I am a person who leads with my heart. But because I do that, I often put others' needs before my own, and then that leads to a lack of discipline in my own life, which means there's certain facets of my life that I feel are mediocre because lack of discipline leads to mediocrity. And then my lack of discernment leads to the lack of discipline, and it becomes a vicious cycle. And I had to think about that in my life to say, you know, Laura, if you keep that up, you're going to leave this world never really giving yourself the time and attention that you really need to be able to access the limitless possibilities for your life. You know, see, that's what I tell people. We're all on this journey together. I'm not speaking to you as a person who's already accessed all my limitless possibilities because then it wouldn't be limitless. It would be limited. I'm on the journey, too. And so I'm, I'm asking people to join me, and people have been. I said I was going to eat 50 vegan meals mm-hmm. in 50 days, do 50 workouts, do 50 journal entries, and really talk about the life le- think about the life lessons that have brought me this far and the ones that I need to carry me on. So that's what I'm doing now, and I'll be 50 in July, so I'm psyched. That's fantastic. I mean, it seems to me from listening to you, you have to get really quiet to get that kind of clarity. Paul, you ain't said nothing but a word. <laughs> Quiet. And yeah. do you know how now that I've been challenging myself to write the journal entries and read 50 minutes a day, and I don't mean emails on your phone, because that's what you, you get to a point where you're reading articles and, and blogs and things, but you're not taking that time just to take in knowledge or a book. The quiet I have experienced, Paul, has been so enriching. And I'm thinking to myself, I have busied my way through my 30s and 40s. And I have lost the value of what it means to just not have any noise. I ride in the car with no music now sometimes and just think, meditate, pray. So it's, it's been a very eye-opening time for me. And I'm only on day 37. Okay. But it is, I'm thir- I still have 37 days to go, I should say. But even the first 13 days have been very eye-opening. So I'm happy for everybody that's joining me on it. We're, we're growing together. I see this being a book. Lauren Lake's next book. <laughs> 50 days okay. to 50. I mean, really? You know, let the people you, be a part of the movement. I, 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 you know what? It <laughs> takes one to inspire another. And I kind of had that thought when I was journaling. So you are my confirmation from the universe that I was on the right thought. Because as I was writing, I was saying to myself, wow, these 50 days. I mean, this has been an experience. And I need to put some of these life lessons and these new laws of living I've developed into a book. I thought the same thing. And now you just said it. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> so I want to tell the absolutely. I want to tell the people. Sixteen years ago, can you believe that? Sixteen 16. years ago. Sixteen years ago, you and I worked together on the original Ricky Lake show. I can't even believe it. That was I can't sixteen years ago. <laughs> we That's were crazy. yes. We were helping women look and live their best lives, helping them find dates, cultivate a look that would get them their dream job, and so much more. Do you remember the woman we helped that was like a kickboxer? <laughs> Yes, we had we had so many like interesting, funny. It was just 
so much fun and inspiring at the same time. Absolutely. I had such a ball working with you. Well, listen, I knew from way back then that you were a woman of great integrity. And I knew even though the show was the Ricky Lake show, Lauren Lake got respect on the set. And it really taught me a lot. That was one of my first gigs. And I, I watched you and I learned from you because, you know, people on the set just knew what you expected in the workplace. This is what I felt. I don't know that I've ever shared that with you, but this is what I, I took away from that experience. Oh, that is wonderful. No, you haven't ever shared that with me. And I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, look, we teach in the Ween Academy and, and look, even at Paternity Court. You know, I, I believe in excellence. I, and excellence does not necessarily mean perfection. That's two different things. Mm-hmm. Because perfection is perfection doesn't really exist, but excellence does. Because you can always approach your work with excellence. And I always tell my young wean girls, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done myself. And so I hope that when I am in a working environment, that I am bringing the level of commitment and excellence that I need to to the workplace. And in return, it inspires others to, you know, respond with the same in kind towards me. Exactly. That's what I've always tried to do. And um, it's been what? 20 years in this business and gosh, oh my God, I can't even believe I said that, but yes, almost 20 years of this business and it's worked out pretty well. It's worked out really well. So well that you just won an Emmy and this is what I wanted to talk about. (laughs) I wanted to talk about that because, you know, one thing I told you, I know about you is, is, you know, you come in, you respect everyone and you deserve respect in return. But I wanted to address that win with the intention of finding a lesson in how it was all handled, because I know that I saw Twitter and I saw social media and everybody was talking about it. So for the people that don't know, um, when Lauren Lake's paternity court won for outstanding legal courtroom program, the creator of the show, David Armour, took to the stage with the cast and crew and delivered a full acceptance speech, but he failed to acknowledge you, Lauren, or give you the opportunity to speak. As a result of that, social media went crazy, so much so that you issued a video on Twitter in response. In part, you said, I just wanted you to know that I am fully aware of how upset you all are when Paternity Court won the Emmy. I did not get a chance to speak to you from the stage, Lauren said. I want you to know that I've already started some very serious conversations with my team and we're going to be meeting in the near future to discuss this further. Um, I talked about it behind the scenes, never reached out to you directly. I saw what people were saying and I just wanted to address that because I do feel that I live with love, faith, gratitude and forgiveness. Mistakes can be made in life. At the time, I didn't see it as a mistake at the time, maybe because I'm too deep into it. But I wanted to just address the way you handled it um, with such decorum and just just kind of get your take on how this all happened. Well, I will have to say I thank my mama in heaven. She always raised me to take the high road. And um, it's often the road less traveled, but you take it. And you work from that place. And it's also because, and I often tell people as in, in, when, I, when I coach them through life and relationships and, and work and business, I say, when you take the high road, you get a better view. Yes. Because you can see what is happening. In that moment, 
um, what I think people didn't understand, and I talked about this um, a few weeks ago on another interview, was it is customary for the executive producer and creator of the show to give the acceptance speech when a program wins. Now, if I would have won for maybe best talk show host, then they would have heard from me directly. But there is no category for best television judge. It's just best legal program. So the fact that David went up to accept the award was, customary. was not, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't even, that was a part of it. I knew that. What I wasn't aware of was that the Emmy committee had informed the show that only one person would be able to talk that night. So in my mind, I'm thinking when he gets done talking, he's going to throw the mic to me. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that was odd that I didn't learn later. That And it was true. Throughout the night, one person took the mic. And look, we were shooting the week before that, actually shooting paternity court. So life was quite hectic. And, you know, I don't really feel like it was some purposeful thing. I do believe that he got up there, he didn't write anything down, and he went through these beats. Because, look, he even managed to do camera, slam, all of the the various facets of our show that's so important. And he has expressed to me, like, you know, Lauren, you were the next beat. Like, it went from, you know, having a staff of of producers who care to, and nobody cares more than Lauren Lake. And that was the beat he was supposed to hit for me. But he, in his mind, skipped to the beat where he went to his family, and then he closed and left. It was an unfortunate situation. They didn't even play him off, Lauren? They didn't even play say? him. They didn't even play him off. He just rolled out. Well, he yeah, he ended, and then as soon as he turned left to leave, because you know, in what he's saying is he was so excited in that moment, he didn't realize in that moment he had forgotten me. He okay. turned. They cue the music. So at that point, I couldn't even really go up to the mic and go and hello, you know, <laughs> and me, you know. So <laughs> the music was cued and the scene changed. Oh boy! And 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 to be quite frank, the first thing he asked when we got out of there, when we got to the winner's circle, and many people don't know, after you leave there, you go to the winner's circle. I gave that interview, but it's on it's on the Emmy post show. But he looks at me and instantly he goes, did I thank everybody? Did I thank everybody? Because that's what everybody is fearful of, that they didn't thank. In that moment, I'm giving the winner's interview, and I want to make sure I'm acknowledging the woman who booked the show. You know, we got a chance to get every producer to say their name. It wasn't until we got in the car when his wife says to him, well, I'm thankful you said my name. He says, she says, but you didn't say Lauren. And he looked at me like, I didn't thank you. And I said, no, you forgot. That's when we re- he realized that he didn't thank me. Now, at that moment, we had a night of a partying. Our whole staff was there. It was a joyous night. It wasn't the time to get into the discussion of what we are now discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the time. And like I said, I, I went through the night. And at the end of the day, I wanted to just have a moment to focus on that we won. The next day, I didn't even know all of this had happened until a, one of my family members sent me a clip and says, did you see this? And then I realized what was happening on social media. And I must say this, Paul, yeah. you know, on my show, I am a voice for the voiceless. That's what I say that I am, and that's what I want to be. For every child who deserves the, the right to know who their father is and to have that relationship. But, baby, <laughs> those paternity court viewers, <laughs> I mean, it Not quite me as magnanimous, fear. right? Uh-uh. Well, they mean, were out for they, blood. 
I mean, they were out for blood, but I will say I can't tell you the yeah. countless people who wrote to yeah. me to say, to say, we wanted to hear from you. We value mm-hmm. what you do on that show. You are the show. We appreciate you. We don't want you to be left out. Someone left you out. And they really felt that I should have had a chance to speak. And honestly, that meant so much to me that it mattered to them. Um that I spoke. And with that said, it has now jumped off into a series of conversations. When I tell you ongoing, for this past, the Emmys were what, the end of April, mm-hmm. 1st mm-hmm. of May? For this past entire month of mm-hmm. May, we have been in constant conversation and communication, David, myself, MGM, because they are taking this very seriously. Because what we do understand is, is that this was, it did not play out the way it should have. And you know, David is taking ownership for his, um, you know, his misstep. And, you know, MGM is in, the, in, is in process making sure that our viewers and our fans understand that we hear them. And most importantly, we've been able to have some really uncomfortable but fruitful and productive conversations about, you know, unconscious bias, the way Absolutely. things are perceived by different races, the way, I mean, deep level discussions that I think everyone is growing from. And that's why when I did that video and said I was going to get all the facts yes. and, and get, 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 get the truth and the results, that's what I set out to do. But I need, I need everybody to know that it's not going to happen in 22 minutes like a television show. Sure, that absolutely. When it, you know what I mean? When, I when you're dealing with situations like this, it takes ongoing conversation. I actually have another one today. So I just want everyone to know that this thing hasn't been swept under the rug. Oh, no, honey, we're still in the midst of the dust. We are sorting through it. We are talking through it, and we are having some very rich um, conversations because of it. And, and, and I appreciate everyone being concerned about me, and I am, I am definitely just, just still honored to be the judge of paternity court. Well, I'll quickly share that he later did apologize on Facebook. I'm sure he apologized to you profusely, but on Facebook publicly, he said, congratulations to the best, my sister from another mister, Lauren Lake, on her well-deserved Emmy win. After stumbling through a speech and not mentioning the biggest reason paternity court is a huge success, Lauren Lake, I have pledged to never again make fun of people who walk on stage with a written speech. You are a dream, and I hope we have the opportunity to work together and help families for many, many more years to come. Hashtag feel terrible, but glad we won. So there was that. Yes, he yes. did write that apology, mm-hmm. and and he has apologized to me, sure. my father. We have talked consistently. That apology was, look, and I think this is a part of the learning process. I think in that moment, his interpretation of it was, you idiot, you forgot to say her name, how could you be so stupid? Let me just get out there and let everybody know, of course I know the show is more late because he fought for me that, you know. Your show's in the name. So I mean, your name's in the show. Yes. <laughs> you're right. My name's in the show. His thing is, oh, you know, I can't believe, you know, you're such an idiot. And so in that moment, he went to write that apology. The problem is, and this is what we talk about a lot when we dialogue through text message, email, and I know you've probably encountered this, and everyone has. When, th- when the written word does not communicate the soul and the spirit. Absolutely. It doesn't adequately do that. And I think when he hit that hashtag, <laughs> that that was like when hashtags go wrong cuz that wasn't the hashtag for the it moment. Was not the hashtag for the moment. Not not a but. You can't the put the but. The but. The but yeah, did. Yeah, it. yeah, it, yeah. It, it, there 
see, and see, it takes mm-hmm. a level of, I think, um, a, a, emotional understanding mm-hmm. to realize that this is what we teach every day in fraternity court. It's like an apology just has to be an apology. Absolutely. There can't be an a but, a but, because then that means that that basically erodes part of the apology or either makes it a little less sincere. And people read into that. And then he later apologized and said to me that at that moment he didn't get that. He was still in the moment of, I'm so mad I blew it, but I am happy we won. And, of course, we all, I'm, I'm pissed he blew it, but I'm happy we won. <laughs> exactly. So I get yeah. that, but yeah. that ain't the hashtag. That ain't the hashtag. I love that you are still having these conversations, and I love that you are so honest and transparent with your audience and now our audience. I really just love you, Lauren Lake. You have been an inspiration to me for many, many years, and I just want you to keep going and doing your thing, even though you're lying about your age, girl. You know you ain't 50. <laughs> well, check out her book, definitely. Uh, everything on laurenlake.com. I think you can also get information on Ween probably on laurenlake.com as well, right, Lauren? Yes. And yes, you can. And, and on social media at Lauren L. Lake, they can find me and Ween online and learn everything that they need to know. And you have to watch Paternity Court. I mean, you can't yes, you not do. watch Paternity Court. Five days a week. Check your local listings at paternitycourt.tv. I love it. Lauren Lake, I am such a fan. Thank you for joining us today on the Paul Wharton Show. Thank you for having me. Love you, babe. Big kiss, babe. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Love it. It has been a judgy kind of day. What do you think about that, Alexia? I love it. Oh, she's she's so phenomenal. Isn't she great? That's yeah. Alexia. She's uh, in the production booth here over there just kind of grinning and, <laughs> and enjoying the conversations. Hey, Paul. <laughs> so now that we got the real judges out of the way, you know, we got them talking about the way things go. I want to talk about the modern day black fashion judge. Before fashion police, there was Claire Somers. She is the head of one of the top fashion blogs, Fashion Bomb Daily. And she's also my friend who I absolutely adore. And I wanted to have her on the show today to talk about building and believing in your brand. Claire, you there, girl? I'm here, Paul. How are you? (laughs) I'm great, sweetie. How you doing? I am fabulous. It's so good to be on your show. I'm so excited. (laughs) I am so excited to have you on now that the Paul Wharton Show is on Sirius XM channel 141 every Friday at 6. We'll be able to reach a new audience. And so I had to bring in some of my homies. Um, And you, of course, are one of the more more special friends of mine. Um, I love you personally, but I'm so proud of you professionally because of what you've been able to build with Fashion Bomb Daily. Tell the people a little bit about the inception of Fashion Bomb Daily and how you've been able to grow it into this kind of mega fashion brand. Yeah, so I started Fashion Bomb Daily in August 2006. I created it because I discovered when I was very young that I loved fashion, but I just never saw women who looked like me represented in magazines. And so I decided to be the change I wanted to see in the world. I created a blog at the time that spoke to women of color, women who weren't, you know, your average Dixon and and everybody. It's really about representing the beauty of diversity. And because you have such a strong but powerful and trend-setting audience, we've been able to grow so much over the years. 
And now we're on Instagram at Fashion Mom Daily. We have over a million followers. We have e-commerce. We have events. And we're just continuing to build and grow. I love that. So there are so many people that have started fashion blogs. And of course, everyone has an Instagram account. How much of your Ivy League education, I guess I should also say that uh, Claire graduated from (laughs) Harvard. (laughs) I'm very proud of that. (laughs) How much of that education do you think kind of contributed to your blog and your brand becoming super successful? You know, it's so interesting. A lot of people ask me about going to Harvard and did I need to go and all these things. I think ultimately Harvard gave me an amazing work ethic. It helped me hone my writing skills. And I think just that drive and persistence, not to say that people who didn't go to Harvard don't have this, but I think the Harvard really fueled that in me, a little bit of a competitive edge and a competitive nature. And and what I found is that you know, just through God's grace, I've been able to just maintain in this industry. Um, there are many, many people who started off with me in blogging who are no longer blogging. So many people who sometimes they'll, they'll start on Instagram and you see they're going and they're posting. And then three months later, you know, it'll be three months before they post anything else. So I think it's just that dogged determination to win um, no matter what is, is thrown my way. Uh, And I think that that Harvard really kind of trained me for that. Yeah, I think consistency is key in building a brand like this. And no, not everyone will go to Harvard. But I think the thing that I love and admire about you the most is how you create so many opportunities, um, not just to show what people are wearing, but to sit and interface with aspiring fashionistas, aspiring entrepreneurs and you share all that you've learned in building this brand and all that you learned at Harvard with the people. Why is it so important for you, Claire, to constantly create those opportunities where you actually get to speak to the next generation of, of creative entrepreneurs? Well, I started something called Combos with Claire, which you participated in. But I created this series because when I was coming up in the industry, I really didn't feel as if I had that one mentor or anybody to give me any insight or wisdom or advice on what to do and and how to get to that next step. And before I started Fashion Bomb, I was working as a researcher reporter at a magazine. And I would remember, I would ask people for informational interviews. I would ask to meet up with them. Um, I was put on their schedule, then rescheduled and rescheduled again and again, or they wouldn't find time to put me on their schedule. And so now I just offer this, this series, Combos with Claire, where I ask people like you and Bevy Smith, Misa Hilton, people who have made it in the industry for just a moment of their time so people can have that opportunity to ask the questions that they might not always have been able to ask or always get the opportunity to ask. Um, and mentorship and giving back is just important to me uh, because I didn't feel like I had that and I felt like that was really missing. And I always, as I said, I want to be be that change that I wish to see. Um, and something else that we started is Fashion Bomb Daily Shop. We've heard a lot in, in the fashion industry where we don't see many designers of color, sometimes women, female designers in some cases, represented at Fashion Week or they don't have the opportunity to sell at a Barney's or Saks. And so we created FashionBombDailyShop.com. It's a platform for emerging designers that I believe in. 
And I think that my generation and the one coming after me is about being those change makers, the ones that are going to 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 make a shift in the industry to more towards more inclusivity and just um, valuing diversity and giving back and and, yeah. and just positivity in general. Well, Lauren Lake talked about limitless possibility and just hearing you talk and knowing you, I just see. <laughs> I just see sky above you. I mean, there is no end to the possibility of what Claire Somers can create. Um, what's your Thank biggest you. dream for this brand? It looks super successful now uh, by all accounts. It's very successful. You could just kind of rest on your own laurels and chill. But I know mm -hmm. you and I know that that's not the case. What's your no. biggest dream for this brand? Like, where is this thing going, Claire? Well, Paul, thank you so much. That means so much for you to say that and also for me to be on your show. But next is just more exposure, global expansion, TV, bringing more eyes to, to what we're doing and just continuing to bring a bigger platform and more exposure to all the all the things that we're doing. I still think that fashion in some ways is very one-sided. We're still having instances where brands are kind of putting their foot in their mouths in terms of their creative direction. We've seen that so many times this year. And it's really like, I think in this information age, it's, it's unacceptable for there to be nooses down the runway or jackets with black face on them. Like it's 2019 guys, like we have got to do better. And so I hope that we can just have a bigger platform through TV and even maybe a movie about my life. Who knows? Yeah. But just, uh, just we might have something up our sleeves, right, Claire? <laughs> we might have a little something up our sleeves. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, you all follow Claire Salmers and her brand Fashion Bomb Daily on Instagram at Fashion Bomb Daily and also her personal account at Claire Salmers. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for continuing to inspire us. And we just can't wait to see where this ride takes you. Yes. Paul, thank you. I love you. Thanks for having I me. I love on. you too. Thanks, Claire. All right. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Love that. So, the Paul Wharton Show wouldn't be possible without the support of our fabulous sponsors. The Batar Cosmetic Institute is home of the aesthetics enhancing genius Dr. George Batar and his talented staff. Metro Offices. If you're an entrepreneur that wants to take your cluttered home office to an affordable, modern, professional, fully furnished space, Metro Office is the scalable solution for you. And finally, Hungry Catering, DC's premier chef-to-table corporate catering service. Check them out at tryhungry.com, code POLITICS. Awesome. All right. Thank you all for tuning in today. I'd love to thank my guest, Lauren Lake, Judge William Dawson, and Claire Salmers. You can catch the Paul Wharton Show every Friday at 6 p.m. on Sirius XM Channel 141 HUR Voices. Tell your friends. I hope there were some great pearls of wisdom shared in this show that helped you along your journey. Namaste, my brothers and sisters. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. Paul is here pulling it all together. He's there for you if you need to feel better. Paul is here pulling it all together. 
the results are in. What is it, doctor? Well, you're crazy. What do you mean? What do I mean? What do you mean, what do I mean? You know what I mean. You 100% certified, restraining order grade, chronically crazy. Is this news to you? Well, no. Mm-hmm. I didn't think so. Why you got to be crazy? Your face is fly, your body looks tight, but something right in those eyes. After the club, the smoke has cleared. Why you acting weird? You know you should hide. You're crazy. You know you're crazy. Hide. You're crazy. Hide. You're crazy. Your friends, you can't keep no 